Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Andrew Marsh. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Amy. It's very nice to be here. Well, it is very nice to be here. And you are a fellow PSA Speaker Factor winner for your region. I was Southeast and you are Scotland. So actually, you get the country accolade there. I know. that. That's. Uh, I, I have looked at that. And there's other people that are Yorkshire or West, Mid, uh, West Midlands. Or the, and well, I've got Scotland. I'm all of Scotland. So um, <laughs> I, 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 do quite, I do quite like that. That does, that does sound rather nice. Yes. It's very good. So that's how we got brought together because we were both entering in the same competition last October. And, you know, we, we were both runners up, which again, we're all well, let's call us finalists. That sounds much more exciting. But we've been talking thereafter. And I know and you know that you have a very important message to share and your mission is of huge importance. And I just want to sort of explore that more today so that people can hear what it is you're doing and why they are doing it. So my first question to you today, Andrew, is what is it you're doing right now? Um, I am trying to be an Asperger's syndrome advocate. I think that's the, the simplest way of putting it. And and what I mean by that is to encourage people and uh, people on the spectrum to uh, challenge themselves to be the best that they can be, to understand and realize that they have amazing super skills that they probably take for granted because that's the only thing they've known. I, I was able to do certain things and I was always very logical and organized at home. And, and I found out that other people weren't. And that was quite a surprise to me because I thought what I had, everyone had, but they don't. And I have certain skills in certain areas that we maybe talk about later on. But what I want to do is, is to get people to understand that they do have amazing skills which can be great for themselves to understand that they have an ability which they can use in, in whether they're a writer or a crafter or a painter, an artist, music or, or technology, uh, IT and computing and to realize that that is something that they can do as a job um, and getting employment for people with Asperger's is quite is quite difficult because we do have some some idiosyncrasies that can be challenging for others but equally, I want to share with employers to say, look, Mr. Employer, these people have these great skills and you should be looking at employing more of them to get the better um, better out of your business, more productivity, new product, new service, something slightly left field that, that, that others wouldn't necessarily have come up with. And I, I use the phrase, if you always employ the same type of person doing the same type of job, you're going to get the same type of results. Now, that might be absolutely fine if you've got raw materials going into a machine and out comes widgets or ball bearings. That might be great because that is the process. But if you are a manufacturer or uh, an industry where you've got a number of different processes and you, and you make things, you make things that, that other people use to, to either make things or, or use as products, there's a great opportunity to have people with Asperger's in the teams to, to think, well, what if we do it like this? Or 
has anyone thought of doing that? Or oh, I've got this great idea. Can we explore that? And you suddenly you will find that business, if they're open to that and understand that this is this is not them thinking what we're doing is wrong. What they're thinking is maybe there's a better way of doing it, or we could do something else that is going to be better for the business. It might be a new product. I mean, when when Steve Jobs came up with the iPhone, that must have been a revelation. Him sat around a boardroom one day saying, I've got this idea for a new phone. It's connected to the internet and everyone can talk to each other on this phone and socialize and have their Facebook pages and their social media. I think we can do this. And, and I'd imagine that was a great meeting because he thought out the box. He thought, what can we do? What, what do we know? What can we challenge? And what can we do that comes from that? And so that's what I want to do. That's my, my aim is to, is to get more people with Asperger's understanding that they have great skills and those skills are valuable to employers and to get employers to realize that there's this great talent, talented workforce out there who maybe don't have the opportunity that others have for various reasons, but think beyond, th think outside the box. Think uh, my, my closing remark in my, my speaker factor talk was instead of focusing on the label, focus on what they are able to do. And I think that's a wonderful phrase because whether we like it or not in society, we do label people. We, we categorize people. Oh, they're this or they're that or they're the other or they've got this uh, interesting trait about them. But instead of seeing all of that, think, what can that person do? And they say, well, I can do this. And that might mean we can do that for your business and produce something different or new or better. Maybe your process to produce something at the end of it is six different processes. They might come along and say, oh, if we did that and we did that, we've got four processes. And you know, in the industry, in every process is never 100% efficient. So if you've got eight processes and they're 90% efficient, you're way down at 7.2% efficiency at the end of it. If you take out two processes, you can be 30% efficient which might not sound a lot, but it's four times better than you were starting off with. So if, if you give the opportunity for someone to express themselves and their ability and think about the what would happen if, what if, I love the what if questions. I do love what if questions. And, and, and I would be, in, I used to work as a geologist um, in the construction industry and I would be sitting in meetings and I'd be thinking, why is no one asking this question? And it would be obvious to me like red lights going off and alarms. So I would sit there and I would go, no, I'm going to ask this. So I'd ask the question. And people would look at me and they think, what? Where did that come from? And quite often I'd speak to people outside the meeting and they'd say, why did you think of that question? And I would turn around and say, maybe that's not the question you should be asking. The question you should be asking is, why didn't you think of it? And so this, that, that time, my time as a geologist was before I was diagnosed with Asperger's. So... I didn't know that other people didn't think the same way that I did about a number of things. So to come back to your question, it's, it's to get people on the spectrum to understand they have skills and employers to understand those people have skills and we should marry the two up. And if I can marry the two up and get someone uh, into employment in creative way to use their, their thinking, their skills, their abilities, then that's fantastic. And what I'm hearing, Andrew, is that 
in all organisations, there's this hidden potential, whether you have Asperger's or, or not. And, you know, it, it's about speaking up, but it's also about being understood and having the support and understanding in, in wherever you are within an environment, within an office environment. What was the experiences that have led you to identify this group of people within an organisation? It, it comes from my late diagnosis with Asperger's syndrome. Um, like I said earlier, I've always known I was different, but didn't know why. So I kind of bumbled through, that's the word I use, I bumbled through life um, clashing against others because I was different. And sometimes that led to bullying. Sometimes it led to severe bullying and abuse. And that could be even in work, not just school and college, university. Sometimes the, the, the abuse at work was was outrageous. But so I, I've always known I was different, didn't know why. Then I, I got my diagnosis and everything fell into place. It made me understand that I was different, why I was different. And that and, and when I researched it more, I realized that some of the things that I do um, uh, aren't particularly typical in, in people. I mean, there's a lot of people who are very organized and who don't have uh, Asperger's. There's a lot of people who, who, who ask the what if questions who don't have Asperger's. But from my perspective, it, it was um, just being different and, and, and trying to fit in. And, and with, with notable exceptions, I, I did fit in well in certain places. And, but, but, but generally, I've, I've clashed against uh, friends, fellow students, colleagues, employees and, and employers, and particularly at work in, in large teams. Um, I was kind of seen as a, as a, as a problem employee because um, I wouldn't do what they asked me to do. And that wasn't from a, a being a belligerent, um, no, I'm not going to do it. It was, I've thought of a different way of doing it. Or how about if we thought about doing this? I can give you a great example of, of that. When you're working in construction, we, we, we were working in ground investigation and writing reports for foundation design and things like that. And, <clears throat> you know, over the course of time, you will get a job that is similar to a job that you previously had, just for the nature of the beast. And I was working on one particular job and the guy that I was doing it, working for, he said, I want you to do it just like we did on that other job. And I looked at him and I said, has anyone asked whether what we did on the other job worked well when they went to build it? And he just looked at me and got quite irate and said, just damn well do it. He'd use other words, but I'm sure you, you understand. He, just, just do it. And that was his phrase, just do it. And that is so demoralizing thinking I could do something better than what we did before, or maybe better, maybe not. But it, giving me the opportunity to express myself in what I was doing with my work is, is much better than, than sitting under the hammer of someone just wanting, has he done that? Tick, box, done. Has he done that part? Tick, box, done. That's so demoralizing. And as an employee, what, what are you there for if you're just an automaton going through the motions? And, and, and I, I, I struggled with people going through the motions when I thought there might be a better way of doing something or, or would want to do it in a different way because that's how it would flow. That's how uh, it, it worked for me and, and the understanding of all the information that we had. And, and I never really got to the bottom of that at work. Um, because some of the people I work for, well, 
they weren't trained to manage people. Now that might sound really strange, but there's a there's a perception in certainly in the construction industry that you get to a certain level of experience and you are deemed to be able to manage people, which might be true. There are some fantastic. I've worked for some brilliant managers, wonderful engineers who, who are just so innovative in what they do that it's it's amazing what they come up with and it's inspiring to work for people like that. But there are other people who've got their time served and they don't know how to manage people and their employer doesn't train them into how to manage people and so you have this this sort of level of people who at the at the early stages of, of management career are clashing with everyone because they don't know how to manage people you then have someone who's a bit different like me someone with asperger's and that clashes even more and so to try and understand that that there are better ways of doing things than 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 the time served way of doing it can lead to something better and and that's what i want to try and try and encourage people and employees to understand that that different doesn't mean wrong um we think differently that could be the innovative spark that that could give you a, a fabulous new product for your business and that's what i want to try and encourage everyone to to realize that the people with Asperger's syndrome are just as entitled to have good employment and support in, in the workplace to be as good as they can be at what they do. And, you know, if, if someone said to me, what's the ideal place for someone with Asperger's syndrome to work? Well, there's more than one. If they're technologically minded and they're particularly good at, at computer games, which quite a lot of them are, then they are brilliant at gaming and game coding for um, for computer gaming and, and software applications. Some of them are, can 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 read code and do code so well that they they can do you know IT coding programming. And it doesn't take too much to think, well, that could be good in fraud investigation in banks, for example, if they can see patterns, they can see patterns in numbers and trends, which other people don't necessarily spot or, or, or skills like that. But other people might be, if they're a manufacturing industry, for example, if you had a research and development team, what a great place for someone with Asperger's to work because they're taken out of the, the, the everyday environment where you've got targets to meet, numbers to meet, processes to do, although they're very good at, at, at doing repeat processes, but if they're given put into somewhere where they can free think and think, hmm, maybe we could do this, or how about that? Or I had this great idea for something. And they're given the opportunity to explore that at work with other colleagues who are equally open-minded, then the, the, the wonders that they can come up with will be, will be amazing, which A, is incredibly satisfying for the person because they feel, feel valued and, and have worth at work. And secondly, the business might just have some new product, new process that that could take them forward into the next decade with great, great results. So those are the the sort of the, when I look at the what ifs and the um, and, and questions like that, that, that we should try to marry the two together. And you mentioned that you felt that you've bumbled through life and it was only getting a diagnosis at the age of 51 that you have been able to sort of apply your superpowers into direction and, and have more support and understanding. What if you'd had a diagnosis at 10, 20, 30, 40? That's, that's a very good question. And I often think, what if I got a diagnosis at 10 years old? <laughs> 
I, th I think the obvious the obvious first answer would would be my life would have been completely different. Um, back when I was ten would be 1974. People still weren't looking for Asperger's syndrome um, uh, per se. It was uh, you were either mainstream or if you weren't mainstream in education, you 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 were put under the label of special needs, and they tended to be separate schools. Uh, rather than integrated into into the normal schools or conventional schools, so I I don't know. I was I was incredibly good at maths and mental arithmetic. Um, I would frequently have the the answer before the teacher would got to it on the board, and I'd be sitting sitting there thinking. And people would say, "How did you do this? How did you do that?" And I said, "I don't know. I just can. Can't you?" And and that was the sort of well, no, obviously it's too hard. Look, <laughs> and they'd be pointing at the blackboard, and I'd be going, "Yeah, but that does that. That does that. Boom, boom, boom. There's the answer." And people don't. It, it's very hard to explain when when your normal isn't someone else's normal. And I hate to use the word normal because it's one of the most subjective words we have in the English language. But my normal, I I didn't realise that my normal was not the same as everyone else's normal. And it, it took a while. It, it took a while to get used to that uh, at, at 51. But yeah, diagnosed at 10 would have been completely different. If I'd have been diagnosed when I went to college or university, that that would have, I think that could have had a very, very significant impact. Because if I'd have got a diagnosis either at or just before I went to, to university, um, I think the the bullying and i have to say abuse um it got way beyond bullying um at college and uh i th i think if if it had been known that hey andrew's different he's got this thing called asperger syndrome we don't fully understand it but he reacts to people and is difficult around people in certain ways then you know cut him some slack guys um and and try to be understanding that you know, he's a bit different. That that doesn't to me that wouldn't have meant that they would all be my friends. I, I wasn't overly keen to be friends with everyone. But if they didn't if they weren't my friend, then leave me alone and let me do my thing. And I would leave you alone and you can do your thing with your friends. So it it, it fitting in didn't necessarily mean getting on with everyone that as everyone else might or would do. Fitting in to me was having my my own little bubble of a small group of friends who I who I could call on they could call on me and we could we could have that little group together but it, it meant that in that sort of little bubble I was I was understood and protected from what what might happen if 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 it wasn't there which we which which did happen when uh, when I was at college so I th I think um understanding from others around me would have been different and would have would have made my life completely different in how I uh, get on around other people um, um, far less stressful I mean I I, I had symptoms of uh, that turned what turned out to be ulcers when I was 13 years old um, and uh, it was always put down oh it's just growing pains big and I could not get through to my doctors and my parents that I have I was having severe heartburn all the time. And it was only when I was 16 that I eventually got um, at a barium meal. Wonderful thing. Horrible, disgusting barium meal. And they went, oh, yeah, you've got a duodenal ulcer. 
quite impressive at 16 years old to have a duodenal ulcer. And that's when something started to change a little bit because ooh, he's not making it up. He's not putting it on. And quite quite a lot of of um, my being around family, family and friends was was seen to be, oh, he's just making it up. He's being difficult. He's trying to be the center of attention. When actually I was just trying to fit in in my own little way. And um, quite often in family groups, I would be much better off, much happier playing with my toys in the hall on my own than sitting in the group with aunts and uncles and cousins and 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 doing that. And and because when I was on my own, I didn't have anyone uh, telling me I was doing something wrong or telling me not to do that because your toys are in the way. I was just finding my own way of, of, of coping and taking myself out of the stressful situation. So um, in my nan's townhouse, it was great because there was long corridors and big stairs and I could play with my toys, my, you know, toy cars and my action men and be quite happy, be absolutely quite happy on my own when everyone else is doing other things. And that sort of um, not fitting in is, is has been a significant part of um, of getting by in, in all sorts of situations in my life. And it could be tough. But you you find ways of, of of dealing with it and managing it in your own way, which which other people might think is quite strange. Or why does he want to be on his own? Strange. Go and play with your cousins. But they didn't want to do what I wanted to do, and I wouldn't be doing it right for what they were doing, and and and, and things like that. And it just uh, I don't know. It, it it would have been different. I can safely say that even if I was diagnosed at forty. Um, I think it would have had some Im some impact on uh, a, d a difference to my life, um, but but hey ho, it was fifty one. And with it being fifty one, and now having everything sort of fall into place, the trying to fit in. I mean, it, it's a it's a human need that we have to to feel like we belong, but also that ability to sort of stand out and, and to explore the superpowers that you do have and other people with Asperger's do have and how they can be deployed into the right areas. What's the mission, Andrew, for you? The mission is to get people with Asperger's understood in the workplace so that they can thrive. And by them thriving, the business will thrive. And if when I'm doing a talk, like I said earlier, if there's, I have the impact on one person, one person in that room that I'm doing a talk, they go, oh, maybe my son or my grandson or the neighbor's kid next door. They, they're a bit different, a bit like that. And that person then gets a diagnosis um, so that they don't go through 51 years of life bumbling and clashing into people and situations. They get the the understanding from those around them, family and close friends. That that That's huge. When when you're, I could imagine if you were, if I was 10 and got my diagnosis, I would have had such a different teenage life because of the understanding that Andrew's not trying to be different, different, difficult, um, and and that try, just trying to um, people would then adjust to me knowing that I'm not not deliberately trying to be obstructive, and I think that that simple thing of of someone having uh, 
an understanding that someone is a bit different, but the ways to get the best out of them are to do this, this, and this. And that, that's the key thing. It's, 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 it's one thing understanding someone has, uh, has different skills and different abilities, but it's then how we as a society or as a family or friends or group, how we can accommodate that so that they feel included and part of that family group or that social group. And it's, it's that with, with the knowledge of having uh, been diagnosed, that will come out because you can say, you know, um, I, I do this this way and it would help if you could to do that. And if you worked with me in this way, we could, I could then do it well and explain it to you. And so we could get on and do things better. And simple little adjustments, which don't cost a lot of money, don't take a lot of time, can be the key to someone fitting in and, and being productive and included and feel valued at work and being the person who's just sitting, not fitting in and being sort of sticking out like a sore thumb. And employers can make an awful lot of, of simple adjustments that don't cost a lot of money and they don't take a lot of time. They just take a little bit of thought to implement. And I think that that sort of uh, uh, that dialogue between the person with Asperger's and the employer needs to be uh, needs to be an open, honest, frank, constructive dialogue, rather than you do this and you do that, and that's not what we want from work. You're not going to get the best out of anyone, let alone whether they have Asperger's or not. If you're doing the finger pointing and you're banging tables, and that doesn't work. I've seen it not work in construction. And I'm sure it doesn't work in, in other industries where, you know, you're, you're working with people. People have amazing abilities. Um, one, of, one of the things that we all, we want to be, feel loved and valued and, 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 and cared for. And if you go about it in the right way, you will encourage that person and that group of people to do better. And that surely should be the, the, the driving force behind any business is if you've got happy employees who enjoy coming to work, and can express themselves and do better, that's got to be better for business than sitting with the with the rod and and you know the rod on the stick and 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 trying to bash people into submission. It just doesn't work. And how does it feel for you now being having the opportunity to express yourself? It's very liberating. It's it's incredibly liberating and rewarding knowing that somewhere down the line someone that i've that i've had contact with whether it's a speaking engagement or i'm just talking to someone when we're sitting on the bus before we could when we could sit on buses and talk to people um have the they have the effect on on others to get them to get the support and the diagnosis the it, it's very liberating for me um and i kind of i've taken that on board as a sort of a, a little a little mission to if if i do speak to people um you know, uh, and encourage them to to say, well, maybe maybe my grandson does have something like that. Not to just leave it there. You know, say say to their GP, look at you know, little Jimmy being a bit different in this sort of areas, and he does X, Y, and Z. Um, maybe he has he has something that that would need investigating, so that he can have the help and support so that he can get on better at school and, and when he goes into, into mainstream work. 
so that sort of I know I've kind of repeated myself a bit for the last 10 minutes but um it it it's, it's being able to help someone who doesn't have to bumble through life for another 10 years before they realize that they've got something and there are things that that we can do to help them as a society as a group as as family and friends to make their life better and more rewarding which then makes everyone else's life better and more rewarding and you haven't repeated yourself you just explained and articulated the the differences and the benefits of what you're trying to explain. And I asked you the question of, of you and what is your mission? And that's why you, you sort of reinforced what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And because of the experiences that you've had over these decades and differing experiences at different times, you know, through school, through college, through university, and then through the workplace, all experiencing the the brutality of bullying in different forms, which you know you you don't need to sort of go into detail unless you want to about what that meant. But in terms of where it can go, that's what you're focusing on now, what, what the possibilities are, what the opportunities are, and what challenges are that people are facing, both from the managerial perspective and also from the employee's perspective. Any, at any point, you can be somebody with Asperger's syndrome in those roles. You know, And it's just empowering the superhero aspects or those super skills that you said earlier that they take for granted and yet when they're put into positions where they can be unleashed that's where you know opportunities are can manifest and and really increase yeah absolutely it's uh that people with Asperger's we're, we're not in competition with others to take something away from you and what you have they want to feel valued they want to feel worthy they want to feel included and they can bring their own skills their own superpowers their own abilities to help make everything better for everyone else and um i, I tend to I, when i occasionally think about it i say it's it's not pie by by giving more support and understanding to people with asperger's it's not taking away anything from what you have so it's not like we want we want uh, a third of the pie instead of a sixth of the pie. That doesn't mean there's less pie for you. What it means is that together everyone has a better experience and has the opportunity to to explore what they can do and be the best that they can be. I think that that's you know more more uh, understanding and help and support for people with Asperger's and and other uh, minority groups or people who have other uh, mental health issues like ADHD and ADD and, and OCD. By understanding what those people can do and how we can help them get the best out of them, it's got to be best for everyone. It really has. And, and they're not in competition. That's the thing. There's plenty of space for everyone to, to thrive and be successful. So we're moving away from competition and the misunderstanding towards collaboration, towards understanding and support that will benefit all parties. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I, I really believe that, um, that there's, there is space for everyone to, to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And let's do that together. And we can all walk down the same street and be happy and uh, have, you know, a better time together. And I'm I'm hearing your way of, of, of 
directing these superpowers and your ability now to articulate what you felt you you didn't understand how to before in terms of people thought you were making it up or you they thought that you were challenging them or being difficult and now you're you're understanding more of your own personality which means that you can then also help other people what do you want to do in terms of what's next on the agenda how are you actually putting this into place how are you helping that one person who's listening to this episode today um yes thank you what what i'm what i'm trying to do is build a speaking and coaching career to speak to audiences to groups to speak to employers employers organizations to say this is my story this is the lessons that i've learned from my adult adult diagnosis and the sort of my coping strategies and mechanisms that I've kind of got into and have managed to to deal with throughout my career, throughout my life, that that I've taken for granted because I've just had to do them, and you you find a way to get through certain situations. As a speaker and as a coach, um, is to put those programs out together to speak to people, to uh, have an online course which I've just recently developed, so that uh, employers can take take notice of what I've said, uh, hopefully understand that uh, it's practical, sensible, helpful, low cost, uh, low implementation measures that they can put in place to support people with Asperger's in the workplace to employ more of them. I've got to say they are underutilized at work. I, uh, um, there are some facts and figures which would, which are quite shocking and which I won't go into, but they are very underutilized and those that are utilized at work aren't using all of their skills as well. So if we can get more people understood and into the workplace to use all those skills that they have, then that would be fantastic. So I do that with my speaking and my coaching. I'm doing a lot of um, connecting on LinkedIn with, uh, with with my ideal clients or hopefully my ideal clients and posting on LinkedIn. And that's my main thrust is LinkedIn because it's a professional network. And so it's, it, it, just try to raise awareness um, of the, the superpowers that people with Asperger's have and find the right people uh, out there to to help and support uh, in any way that I can to to move things forward for those people so there's other other people that I've that I've met on LinkedIn they call themselves an Asperger's advocate or an autism advocate. I quite like that. I think that's uh, uh, not an advocate from the the, the, the sense that they're uh, a legal, offering legal opinion, but advocate in the sense that they're promoting and trying to encourage others to see the benefits of it. So I, I quite like that phrase, Asperger's advocate. And I'm a, a midlife beginner. And I see what you're doing now as a midlife beginnings again for you to sort of have this opportunity to create and your own life in, in terms of embracing all the experience that you've gone through, all of the, the challenges that you've experienced and channeling them into a way that is productive, that's going to be of benefit to so many other people. And my my motto is it's never too late to be what you might have been. And I champion in everything that you're doing, Andrew, it's just fantastic. And I can see how much benefit is going to be for individuals and for companies and for productivity as a whole. Yes, thank you. That's very kind of you. It's uh, it's a challenge, but I'm up for the challenge. And um, let's see how we can help people. It's um, it's it, I'm going off track a bit slightly here, but it, interestingly, if someone said to me, 
if I could give you a pill, I'd take your Asperger's syndrome away. Would you take it? And the answer is absolutely not. I, I because it's part of me. I, I, if someone could give me a pill that could cure my chronic fatigue syndrome, I would take it. And if they could do something about the arthritis in my back, I'd take it. But take my Asperger's away? No, not a chance. It's, it's part of me, you know. Yeah, that's. It gives, uh, and, and it gives my creative flair. And I, I, we haven't talked about it because it's, it's, it's not that forum. But I do write novels as well, and uh, I have a, um, uh, a mission to, 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 to get my books out there to encourage others to read them so uh, it's, it's always exciting and the creativity I definitely put my creativity for writing down to down to my Asperger's absolutely yeah and you're writing is it young adult fiction I am writing young adult fiction now yes and it's it's really quite exciting hopefully I'll get the second book in my Jack Jensen series out sometime this year so I'm looking forward to that oh it's, it's been marvelous and I'm so excited to see your journey going forward Andrew because I know that you're you will be making difference and and creating a ripple effect in the world yeah. of Asperger's for people so well done you how will people get in contact with you um I have a website which is andrewmarsh.co just.co um and uh, my email address is info at andrewmarsh.co and they can look me up on LinkedIn at Andrew F Marsh um but uh, so uh, yeah the website's got details of what I do and my writing and my courses and things like that so uh Please feel free to get in touch. I'd love to have a chat with people, see how I can help them. And even if it's even if it's just a sort of, I need a bit of help with something, just want a bit of advice, quite happy to do that. Not a problem at all. If I can help someone along the way, nudge them in the right direction or, or, or put them in, in, in touch with the right people, absolutely, definitely. It'd be my pleasure to do that, help people out. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you describe your journey and your your way of life now that is so different to where it was and how you've empowered and embraced and engaged your Asperger's into your life, which is just incredible. Have you got some final words for us today, Andrew? I think be yourself because everyone else is taken. That, that might sound a bit cliche, but um, find that one thing that one thing that makes you want to get out of bed in the morning with a leap and a joy and a yes. And whatever that is, do that. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter whether your parents think it's mad, crazy, strange or stupid. Doesn't matter what your friends and your, your, your family think. If that's what you want to do and that's what gets you out of bed in the morning to think today's going to be a great day because I'm going to move myself forward. Another day's worth of exciting things in whatever it is I'm doing. Go and do that. And don't let anyone tell you you can't. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.